Jinx. Hi. I see you had to type your uh, last name, huh? I I just hit copy and paste because it, it came up. All right, you can hear me, right? Yep. Well, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. So why don't you go, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Um, my name is Anna Wojciechowski. Um, what else do you want me to say? Uh, I mean, you can introduce today's topic if you want. Um, we're going to talk about feminism. Yeah, this episode's gonna gonna piss a lot of people off. Um, but like 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 in a in a good way, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so so right off the bat, what, what's your what's your definition of feminist? Because I think this is super important. I mean, I would just define it as someone who, you know, is passionate about equal rights for all, not just women or not just men, but or not like any specific group of people, just like equality overall. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually like my favorite definition, is that it's really important when you're talking about feminism to kind of distinguish that I, I, I don't think feminists are exclusively pro-women's rights. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that they're more about equality for everyone regardless of gender. Um, because historically, the feminist movement, uh, obviously, throughout history, we see, you know, I, 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 if you define it like that, obviously, yes, I'm a feminist. Um, I think that gender shouldn't matter, right? Uh, right. Really should. Like, it, it doesn't mean jack squat. Um, and we, we've done a lot in recent years, it feels like, as a society towards moving towards equ- uh, equality of opportunity. Because I think that's what it's about, right? It's not really about making sure everybody's fundamentally equal. It's about making sure everyone has the opportunity to be. Um, and it's like leveling out the playing field to ensure that regardless of if you're whatever you want to define gender as, that's an entirely separate discussion. You know, regardless of what you identify as, you're treated with fairness and dignity. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, I feel like in history, there's, it's, there's been a lot of, like, prejudice against women. But I feel like what the, what the feminist movement is really about is, like you said, for everyone, not just one group of people. And it's setting that basis for equality. I, uh... Whenever I discuss this topic with my guy friends, they call me a simp because I think their idea is that, like, my argument is it takes a level of maturity for males to realize that throughout history, women have not only been demonized, but have just, like, you can literally open a history book, you can open the Bible and look at this, and, like, women are considered the inferior sex in literally every way, physically and intellectually. um, And while there are innate advantages that have been statistically proven that each uh, sex has like women tend to be better at sympathizing that's why their mothers um women tend to be better at uh freedom of expression whereas men tend to be physically stronger sure take that as you will but at the same time that doesn't matter in a modern sense or at least it shouldn't um that that's my argument is that um it feels like a lot of the time the blowback to feminism is because it's it's largely men that don't want their their uh, higher position in society being challenged. Well, I think what it boils down to is men, some men. Let me say that, like some men, think that they need um, 
they need to be superior to women in order to feel some type of worth for themselves. And they challenge women wanting to have more rights by saying, well, men, it's always been this way and it's always worked this way, so why wouldn't we leave it this way? Yeah, and, and obviously you can argue about individual aspects of the feminist movement, so like equality in the justice system, uh, the equal pay issue, um, the equal rights amendment. So I, I got a lot of flack from my Republican friends for when Donald Trump released the Access Hollywood tape in 20, I guess it would be, well, it was recorded during the Bush administration, but it was released, obviously, during the 2016 election, where he was basically saying you can just grab women wherever you want if you're rich and powerful. You know, a lot of my friends got mad at me for condemning Trump for that. Um, you know, the, like, in my opinion, locker room talk really shouldn't exist. Because, I mean, if you're going to say something, at least have the, like, like if Trump's going to espouse these beliefs behind closed doors, at least have the dignity to do it in front of people. Well, the thing is, is that that's just hiding behind a group of people that you know are going to agree with you. You know, if you, because if you can talk like that in front of a group of men or a group of boys that are going to have the same opinions as you, then you can say things that you wouldn't be able to say publicly or in front of a woman. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's this idea of an echo chamber sort of thing. Right. Where if, if I'm in a Republican club and I'm talking about abortion and everyone there's pro-life, you're not actually having a discussion. You're all talking about this essentially the same view. Just, like, I'm not personally pro-life, but take an issue like that. You're just discussing the same view. And so it becomes really dangerous because of the whole you know, one story thing. And so um, next year, when, when you're a junior, if you're in AP English, you'll read uh, or you'll listen to a TED talk called We Should All Be Feminists. That was really controversial when we played it in our class. And the argument is kind of what you mentioned earlier, that feminism is about equality between the genders, not so much women trying to be innately superior to men. Because, I mean, I don't think I can look at a point in American history and be like, yeah, women are above men at literally any point. And my mother, you know, I, I, God bless her soul for this. She did a really good job of when I was little telling me that that women historically have, you know, different gender role expectations of what's expected to them. So where I kind of wanted to bounce this off you is, is do you think that we as a society still fall pitfall to these, these kind of like traditional um, misogynistic gender roles? Um, I mean, in a certain sense, yes. But I also feel like there's more opportunity for women to go into more like traditionally male occupations or things of that nature um but at the end of the day i feel like there are still men who like you mentioned about trump or the locker room talk there are still men who want women to be nothing more than a housewife and just to care for the children and give him children like and there are still like groups of people today who they they exist on that um sort of sorry i'm looking for the words <laughs> they they exist no i get it they like they, they they feed off they they kind of feed off the the fear of women not wanting to speak up and then when women do speak up they're they're marginalized um, and like, I'm, I'm not going to say that I agree with necessarily, like there, there are issues where men are traditionally, um, you know, inferior to women. Just look at the judicial system. 
I mean, the judicial system is completely in favor of women, but at the same time, I don't tend to make a big ruckus over it because, you know, I, I worry that that as a man, I'm going to get called, you know, misogynistic towards women or something. But like, I think it's a two way street um, where you need to be able to have conversations about, you know, what can we do? And and as much as this, this might sound pretty conservative of me, like, I think what the left doesn't realize is that solving gender roles is not something the government can do. It, it takes society around what the government does to change it, right? So I always just think of Rosie the Riveter, right? You know Rosie the Riveter is, right? I don't. I'm not familiar with it. I'm sorry. The, um, you ever seen the the We Can Do It poster? Yes. Um, so it, it was that. It was during World War II, which is actually kind of interesting because nowadays most American families live in this this sort of where it's like a dual income, right? Where the women go to work and the men go to you know, it's, it's not just the man goes to work, comes home, hangs up his coat, watches TV while the wife makes dinner sort of thing. Right. At least I, that's not my family is. That's what I, most suburban families seem to operate that yeah. way. Um, where both men, where both uh, men and women have generally balanced roles. Like, yes, women may still do the cooking, men may still do the yard work, but in my family, it's split pretty evenly. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a single mother, so. I mean, my mom comes home and she, she's worked very hard for me and my brother, but. Yeah, that, that must be rough. Um, but, like, in the sense that it, it, I imagine there's a level of respect you have to have for her to do that. Oh, of course, Because, yeah. like, Jesus, that's not easy. It, it's hard enough with with two parents. Um, and, like, for for me, what, what's... So, Rosie the Riveter comes out when all the men are overseas fighting, right? And then women start taking jobs in factories. And so when World War II ends, women are automatically in a higher status than they were before the war because they were assuming the roles of factories and... So uh, that was society changing because of an external stimulus, right? World War II had kind of forced women into factories, had, had brought them out of the uh, largely like textile sort of uh, manufacturing sphere into in, in, in the industrialized workforce. And so nowadays, like the big push is women in STEM, right? Because um, you're not going to have trouble finding women teachers. You're not, you're not going to have trouble finding necessarily women lawyers, uh, women doctors, um, you know, the past few decades have made great advances in the medical field towards gender equality um and and what i don't so regarding the the, the wage gap I, I know this is a really really controversial topic mm. because i think okay my opinions on it is that it exists and it doesn't exist it depends on the field you're looking at yeah if you're looking at so there was this study that that people like to use that talks about uh women engineers and male engineers and how in the STEM field, you know, this is the whole like 39 cents for every dollar argument that comes up. Uh, they, they basically took all of the women in the STEM field, based off like, I think it was like an engineering plant, and all of the men in the STEM field, and then found the median of all of the, the, the incomes. And the men was higher. But what that study didn't account for was that there were obviously more men working in the STEM field because it's traditionally a male-dominated industry. I don't think you can necessarily go out and find a job where an employer is going to hire a man or a woman and pay them less. The problem is women are not going into higher paying fields. And so it's society's job to encourage that. That's why I really like stuff like women in STEM, right? Because it's kind of saying, you know, get STEM education. It's important. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I think that a lot of times women sort of 
are more attracted to fields like teaching and fields like nursing, for example, is a good, nursing is a good example because you see a lot of men becoming doctors and then a lot of women becoming nurses. And then obviously a nurse is, you know, a lower paying job than a doctor. So I feel like there's, there's some um, differences in that. Yeah, so like the, the validity of the wage gap argument isn't actually in the weight of the dollar. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's in the weight of women in jobs, like women working alongside men, which is still a very big issue. So when I talk with people, I'm like, the, the wage gap is less, it shouldn't be called the wage gap debate because it's not really, there's, of course, there's a gap in wages. Men are going to be making more on average if there's just more of them working in a field. That's just how economics right. works. Um, I saw another study that talked about teaching and it's like obviously women if we apply the same logic women teachers get paid more than men do because there's just more of them and so that's kind of a societal thing um and so like I I'm my stance on feminism is like yeah obviously gender equality like the the equal rights amendment which is the thing that says I think the wording of it is something like you cannot discriminate against people based off sex like I don't see why this wasn't ratified 30 years ago to the constitution because then it's just in the constitution that says you can't discriminate based off sex. We already have clauses about race. Why should sex be any different? No, I agree with that. I think it's... And you know what's funny? The opposition to the ERA was from a woman. Yeah. Um, she, 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 she was... So this was during like the, the era of very Goldwater conservatism, which is very small government, traditional nuclear family uh-huh. sort of thing. Uh... And so she was arguing that like abortion is anti-Christian or something, but and and that that just that just boils ahead. down the separation of church and state. Yeah, yeah, I I I completely agree. There should not be religious arguments. Like you can make abortion arguments based off how abortion is practiced. You don't even have to bring religion into the op- the argument to make it cohesive. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not pro-life, but there's definitely validity to some of their arguments talking about how abortion is mm-hmm. carried out. Um, and, and, you know, part of me, part of me has always wondered if the opposition to feminism is because people don't necessarily realize that there are privileges to be in the Say that again, I didn't hear you. Like, like, part of me wonders if the reason people don't like the feminist movement is the, I think there's, there's probably two things. One of which is that because media coverage of it only focuses on radical feminists that you see dressing up as uteruses. Yeah women's rights markets actually see the middle ground feminists who are not necessarily super liberal they just want gender equality or and it's probably a combination of both in all reality but you you have men who who refuse to say there are privileges of being a male oh yeah there are definitely privileges to being male (laughs) um i don't know i think i think a lot of men some men forget how easy it is to be who they are you know what I mean like they've never had to deal with well some of them have but like in terms of of safety and like walking down the street oh, at night, yeah. like most men will never have to deal with being catcalled or you know I'm I'm 16 and I've been catcalled and that's kind of gross and I mean yeah I mean it, it, it's it's deplorable I don't think anyone should have to go through that um no, I get what you're talking about, because, I mean, sexual assault cases are 
and I, I have an entire episode down the line about sexual assault mm-hmm. um, disparities between men and women, um, which again, I think is a societal thing, which is why I don't think the government can solve it necessarily. It, it takes drastic changes in society. But to, to kind of get into that real quick, yes, I have always been told by women that I talk to that it is a fundamental part of growing up that you are taught how to not put yourself in a precarious position. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially with social media. I mean, social media is probably, if I imagine, only made the problem 10 times worse. Well, yeah, because it gives a lot of people um, a way to contact you and a way to harass you that they wouldn't have if social media weren't around or it wasn't as widely used. Yeah, and like part of me really, really regrets that we have, because I think gender roles also play a really, really big part in this. Um, and in high school, like our generation is going to grow up, I think, being very accepting of feminist ideas because we are indoctrinated from a young age. And like this is indoctrinated being used as like a positive mm-hmm. word here. Like we've been taught at a young age to look at feminist. Like we, we have read feminist novels, we've analyzed feminist plays. There's plenty of movies you can watch about it. I mean, it, there's classics like Tootsie, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, um, and these movies that talk about. Yes, they're written by males, but they're they're very clearly taking inspiration from the feminist movement. And so I think our generation, just because we're more progressive, we're going to grow up being a lot more accepting of feminist ideas. And my hope is that we, in that avenue grow more liberal and that we're able to say well you know what maybe we can look through policy lenses not just through the lens of a male yeah i would agree with that i think there definitely needs well i I think that you know sexism and like a lot of other issues like that are so deeply ingrained in society just because they've been a certain way for so long and i think a lot of people take change as an offense even though it's not meant to be that way it's just meant to level the playing field yeah i mean i I think that's like education is constantly referred to as the great equalizer um and i keep i keep trying to get an education episode released but it's hard because all of the guests that i have lined up to discuss the topic are very busy like if you know carmelli i was trying to get her on Mm -hmm. um because obviously she's head of the maryland association of student councils um, Noreen, she's the Maryland State, uh, she's a member of the Maryland State Board of Education. So, like, really high, pe- high up people in a state that is known for its academic prowess. I mean, I mean, we go the Eastern. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no doubt, it's no doubt that Maryland has a very rigorous academic reputation. I mean, hell, Johns Hopkins is leading the coronavirus yeah. fight. But, um, you know, education is, it, it, it theoretically, idealistically, should be regardless of what gender or race you are it's an equalizer so you're you're taught non-biased curriculum and again i know that's really idealistic but i think that when you're a politician you have to look through policy making through lenses right like you or people tend to so well when they're talking about um the if you look through rose-tinted glasses and say we can teach american history but not talk about the struggles of women but not talk about the struggles of blacks the struggles of gays the struggles of Indians, the struggles of Asians, like, oh, great, American history is all rosy because white people have it so well in this country. You know, you can just leave out everything about Manifest Destiny. You can leave out everything about Asian discrimination in California up until the 1980s. Um, You can leave out lynchings. But, like, 
nowadays it feels like especially in the northern states we've kind of put on those glasses of saying you know the, the, the great equalizer idea yeah which which is a step in the right direction i think mm, i think i think that like i was saying before like even though uh, women and men are exposed to the same education or most are ex- exposed to the same education like throughout high school um it's it goes into like what college you go to and then uh, it turns into what career you go into um but that's that there's also an argument to where the type of schooling you get is based on where you live and the the education of the area like we're we're I, I would say privileged to, to go to a school like Eastern but even if you go to Baltimore City this the schools down there are awful and they're not yeah, they they're are. not providing the same opportunities yeah and like I only get this U.S. history education because I'm in a push because I'm in an AP class that costs my family money because I'm fortunate enough to be from a white suburban middle class household that can afford to take AP tests. And, you know, I also have a job so I can pay for it. But, but like, it, it, I completely agree with you. The Baltimore City School issue is awful because it's another kind of reason I'm a conservative where if you look at Baltimore City, the only solution to fixing those schools is throwing money at them. But we don't have research reports to talk about systemic problems in them. Like, the government is not doing a good job of addressing racial disparities in Baltimore City schools. We're just throwing money at them and hoping that money solves the problem, right? But it's the same argument with poverty. We throw money at poverty, it's still poverty. You're not actually, there are deep systemic problems that deal with race, that deal with gender, that the government refuses to fix, largely because I think they're uncomfortable. Um, and one of the reasons I really respect Governor Hogan, and I know this might be off track, but the conversation kind of went here. One of the reasons I really respect Governor Hogan is throughout his his lead his uh, leadership tenure, he's been willing to take uncomfortable situations and be an active leader in it. Like I think Hogan has done a fantastic job with his coronavirus response. Oh, I definitely agree with that. He he was like people are being stupid and not following it, and then you have people protesting, mm. which is an entirely separate issue. We have people who are absolute morons. Um, like I had this Facebook conversation with this guy and I don't understand the thought process here. He he said that what the government is doing is unconstitutional. So I put up an article that, that by the Supreme Court, by Supreme Court Justice Roberts, who's a great educated intellectual. And he said, if you're doing things in the name of public safety, A, it's not unconstitutional. But even so, you know, what is Hogan doing that's tyrannical? He is, it's, like, is, is, he's not even locking us inside of our houses. We're not under martial exactly. law. You can you can basically deem anything as essential. You can deem recreation as essential. But the goal, and I keep telling people, like, the goal is not to, this guy told me to look to do research on viruses. And I said, his argument was, well, what about the opioid epidemic? And I'm like, honey, I'm not going to get the opioid epidemic by stepping out and ingesting somebody somebody's breath. <laughs> and And I'm like, I'm like, where in our Bill of Rights are we still, you still have rights to freedom of religion because you can stream all your churches online. You still have rights to free press because everything is on the internet. You have Twitter, you have Facebook, you have Instagram. Literally no rights are being deprived of us. Um, hell, in some states, gun stores are still open. So there's the Second Amendment. Um, courts are still open. There, there's, the, there's the Fifth, Sixth, Seventh, Eighth Amendments. 
Um, and then as for the ninth and 10th amendments, which say any powers not reserved to the federal government are reserved to the states. Well, I'm pretty sure that dealing with the pandemic falls under that. Right. Yeah. There's no, there's really no, there's nothing wrong with what Hogan is doing. And I agree with a lot of it because the more action we're taking early on, the faster this is all going to get over with. And yeah, like it's, it's. It, it, it feels like people are deliberately creating a problem where there does not have to be one. I do not see something wrong. Like, yes, quarantine sucks, but but people are comparing it to the struggles of, like, Jewish uh, the Jewish individuals during World War II, and that is just blatantly offensive to me, that we are even putting that on the same level as this. Yeah. Like, like I, I saw this guy, he, he was complaining, and then somebody tweeted to him and said, Anne Frank was literally in a inside of a jail cell in Auschwitz for like two years or something and then and then was gassed to death when she was in isolation but don't worry you with your social media and your Keurig and your dog you know complaining about how your bill of rights is getting go ahead and complain about your bill of rights getting trampled on when when you know we're, we're not even doing what China's doing which is flooding the streets with with um uh perfume it it it, it like it boggles my mind how stupid people are <laughs> like and if you notice, they're all these people are all really old, so they're the people who are really susceptible to the virus too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like my my grandparents specifically, they're sort of restless just because th- that's all they do is go and do whatever they want because they're retired. But it's to a certain extent to where it's your safety needs to come before worrying about your right well not your rights but like like you said none of our rights are being taken away so there's really nothing to complain about there's no argument there yeah and like and look i've been an active supporter one of the reasons i'm a conservative is because i don't fundamentally like the government but like at the same time like it's one of the reasons i supported the hong kong protests because i think those people were protesting their rights of freedom of speech and freedom of religion mm-hmm. like they, they had something legitimate to be protesting against an authoritarian government about um but, it, you know, we can kind of extend this back to feminism. Like, Hogan, or, or the government does not take extensive measures to to kind of address these longstanding systemic problems. And so it just kind of feels like because politicians are so engrossed with their own elections and they're, they're so engrossed with their own corporate sponsorships that they refuse to actually do anything. Um, and I don't like his policies at all, but it's one of the reasons I, I have a lot of respect for Bernie Sanders is because he was really willing to say, okay, we have to do X, Y, and Z to solve X, Y, and Z problems. I don't agree with the solutions, but at least he was trying to be drastic and bold. Um, yeah, so. no, I agree. I think in, in certain situations, you need to be bold in order to get things done. I I supported Bernie throughout his, his um, campaign, but I still didn't agree with some of his policies. I thought they were, like, a bit too radical. Um, you know, but I, I like... Yeah, I supported, I supported uh, Budapest for most of his. I, and then... I, I guess I'm just kind of... Yeah, I mean, I, I like what he stands for. And, you know, even... Just going off of, like, most of what he, he stood for, I think that one of the most important things that he talked about was creating 
or maintaining a world for people that are our age. Because like like you were saying before, a lot of these politicians are so caught up in themselves that they don't they forget about the struggles of the people. Yeah, I felt I, I always get got the sense that like I was opposed to him, but I I deeply respected Bernie Sanders. It really felt like his campaign was a campaign for the people. Um like yes, I hate socialism. I think it's abhorred. I think most of his his policy proposals were, pardon my French, absolute dog shit. But idealistically, they were there, and he and I respect that he got his campaign support from grassroots. I mean, it takes a lot to do that. And as for bold politicians, they come to the presidency once every forty years, usually. You know, think about the last the last time we had a really bold, aggressive president was Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan. <laughs> like truthfully, say what you will about Obama, he was definitely not bold or aggressive on anything. Um, I wish he would have done more to fix a lot of our problems. Bush was only aggressive on foreign policy after he was provoked by 9-11. Clinton is probably one of the most, like, middle-of-the-ground presidents we've ever had. Bush just took everything Reagan did. Regardless of if you agreed with him or not, Reagan was definitely aggressive with what he did. FDR was aggressive with what he did, and Teddy Roosevelt. Those are your three presidents during the 20th century. Um, And then even stretching back further, there's, there's even less. You have, like, Abraham Lincoln... Washington, Jefferson, Monroe, maybe. Um, I could see, like, just off the top of my head, like, there are leaders who, who come along very so often who, who are willing to take that first step towards fixing systemic problems or necessarily causing a major political... Well, you could probably argue Richard Nixon, too, but, like, a major political uh, realignment, right? And so I think Sanders really, if he had one, would have been one of those presidents because... You know, there are people who argue whether or not Reagan's a top five or bottom five president, but he still got stuff done. <laughs> um, and I felt like Bernie would have done a lot of the same things where it, it felt like he would have like his policies would have gotten passed through Congress because I think that Bernie is such a he's a fighter. Sanders is a fighter. You're right. Th- throughout his entire life, he's been fighting, you know, the good fight. He's been fighting for people of color. He's been fighting, yeah, for, fighting for LGBTQ plus rights. He's been fighting for the people. So. Yeah, he he marched. Uh, he marched on Berkeley in the sixties. Um, when that when that campus was supporting obviously the right thing, they were supporting uh, civil rights. Um, and so like I feel like with turning this back to feminism, because like I don't really think we got that off topic because a lot of these issues are pertinent to to gender mm-hmm. equality. Like until we have a politician who's bold enough to say. You know, we don't even have to institute governmental programs, but we we, we either re- we launched something like the Kerner Report, which was a report that was launched in the 1960s that was really a groundbreaking report that said women are being discriminated against in the government and we need to do something about it. And then JFK got shot before it could do anything about it. But um, until we have a president who takes initiative and says, we're going to fix the problems of women, then feminism is just going to be a continuing debate. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that because going back to what we were talking about before about how it's it's society's issue and it's not really anything that the government can do about it until we have a president that's very adamant about making changes then people are just gonna like it, it's nothing the government can change so there's no way to enforce it and, and it's probably a generational thing too yeah I mean we brought up we brought up like our generation is very progressive um even modern day conservatives that aren't like 
blind hard redneck trump mm-hmm. supporters tend to be at least the ones that i know tend to be very progressive socially uh, like I'm, I'm only really conservative on the economy uh socially i'm very liberal very very liberal on a lot of issues there are some where i'm conservative on but generally i just don't really care what you do um i if there's a policy that long story short without getting into specifics if there's a policy that supports equality for all and it's not unconstitutional i'll likely support it um because I, 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 there's a lot of issues that I'm just not educated about, and I largely trust when politicians say, "Okay, I've been like educated by reports on this issue, and this is the best thing to do." But you know, I, I, I think our the brand of feminism we're going to be seeing is only going to get more radical. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's already enough of it. I think that um, there, there's room for those like redneck conservatives as you said to talk about how how feminism is like some like bad thing and it's it's the feminazis that they talk about how it's you know not not too radical and well i think i honestly think that the problem is we continue to use the term feminist like the term feminist just without like at face value from a dictionary definition you see the word you see the the root fem and you're like okay female mm-hmm. but that, boy but that's um, and, that's not even the root of the movement it's it's promoting equality for all and yeah no it, it harkens back to equality for all yeah. it's not even you see a lot of most feminists are also advocating for people of color's rights and LGBTQ plus rights. So, when I say for all, I really mean for all. Yeah, and men men are included. Right. Like I, I don't think, like I, if you're a gay man or you're a black man, you're still included in that. I mean, if you're a white man, you're still included. Um, and you know, I I hate her, to, like as a person, but AOC has really been a champion for the feminist movement in that she is. Again, I cannot stand this woman because she drives me crazy, but she's been very outspoken for her support of progressive social issues. Um, and, and so she kind of embodies like what I view as the rising feminist. But like not in the sense like I don't think feminists are like her. Like obviously AOC is super radical. Like like really liberal. Um but and, and I think she's very partisan, but at the same time like okay and and my my hope honestly is that like trump the trump branch of the republican party just dies off within 20 years because if he loses in 2020 he's still going to be a a vocal figure in american politics like trump trump will still be trump you know he'll go on talk shows and talk about how bad joe biden is doing right and people will listen to him him. and then there's always his son and his daughter you know as potential i mean one of my big Future One of my biggest issues with Trump is just that he's so outspoken that it's it causes issues. Look, half the battle of being a leader or a president is being presidential because there are so many things that make you like the economy. The president, I'm going to be honest, the president really doesn't have that much control over the mm-hmm. economy. The economy is largely due to external stimuli like oil prices, um, interest rates, things that the government cannot control, and you know, all the Trump supporters talk about how great his economy is. Well, yeah, good, good, good job talking about that now when 15% of our workforce is unemployed. But, um, and we're 
economists are saying we're heading into a recession that's going to see like not even once coronavirus is done we're going to see upwards of 25 percent unemployment which is ridiculous if you think about it but like i i think obama sure great policy wise wasn't fantastic but but at least he was a good person i trusted him i mean i i liked watching obama speak i had for all eight years of his, his presidency and even bush like I think Bush and Obama, both great people, they get along outside of the office, which is one of the reasons like when Trump attacks people like Mitt Romney, when Trump attacks people like McCain, it really upsets me because they're good people. John McCain's a war veteran and you make fun of him and his daughter the day he dies. Yeah. Like how, how tasteless do you have? Like all of these Democrats are even saying we really liked working with John McCain. He was a class act. And, and then you, you go and you call him a fake veteran when he was tortured for years in a vietnamese uh, prison camp like yeah i mean i think i think trump is too loud if that makes sense like i think he talks too much without thinking about you know the consequences of what he's saying oh yeah he's a moron he's a moron he he, he just went on twitter today and said liberate michigan Act, acting like you know his government's response by the way yeah his government because he's the commander-in-chief you know, his government's response to the coronavirus is some like the totalarian regime thing but i just i i just don't understand i think it's awful um do you have anything else you want to add to this or else i'm going to call the episode off because this one's pretty um, long no i think we've pretty much talked about everything yeah it was a good discussion thank, thank you, you for, for coming having on. me